Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome to the show, everyone. Special shout out to my friend, Yoshiko Dart. Hope you're doing great, disability rights leader that you are. And I want to mention a couple of things. First, March 15th. March 15th is the Bender Virtual Career Fair. So if you're a person with a disability listening to the show, you know, make sure you go to BenderConsult.com. There is no fee for you joining. March 15th, Bender Virtual Career Fair. If you are a company and you want to participate, it is a small fee, but you get in touch the same way. A great day, March 15th. Hopefully a day we'll be seeing people with disabilities get jobs. And I wanted to thank Highmark, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and Covestro for being a sponsor of this show. Two great companies helping me change the world, as is our guest today. I love our guest today. I bet you can tell how excited I am because she is the president and CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central Pennsylvania, doing a fabulous job. You all know epilepsy is personal to me since I'm living with epilepsy, and she is your friend, my friend, I love her. Peggy Beam Jolly, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Joyce. I'm always honored to be here, and it's a beautiful day today, so it's a great day to be up and be positive, and it's always um, a pleasure to be with you and your listeners. Well, thank you so much. And as I said, Peggy is the president and CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central Pennsylvania, so before we go further, for our listeners, Peggy, maybe you could start by talking about your career with the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA. Um, sure. So I joined um, the Epilepsy Foundation, um, Western Central Pennsylvania, in the um, towards the end of 1993. So I've been around for a while. Um, I came on board um, after working for many years with um, some organizations that worked with folks with intellectual disabilities um, and started working with the Epilepsy Foundation as a program director initially to uh, work on some legislative and public policy issues, um, namely to get some state funding for epilepsy programs in Pennsylvania and um, to work on expanding our footprint in western and central Pennsylvania in terms of the programs and services that we provide. Um, so over the years, that position grew into a, um, a position with a little bit more responsibility, and I became um, an associate executive director. And um, just about two years ago, um, I took over the president and CEO position when our longtime um, executive, Judy Painter, retired. Well... We are. We love Judy. Judy, wishing you the best. Um, and Peggy, you are truly doing a fabulous job running the organization. So we are lucky to have you with us. And well, as you just you, mentioned, it's Western and Central PA. But one question right. many people ask me is, first of all, geographically, what areas do you cover, and then maybe some details about the programs that we have in place right now in those areas. Sure. So we cover 49 of Pennsylvania's 67 counties. Um, so we go um, all the way up to um, Erie um, and all the way across those northern counties, um, almost over to the Scranton area, um, and um, Harrisburg, um, all the way up towards Lancaster, um, and across the um, bottom part of the state as well. Um, and then the um, remaining counties on the eastern side of the state are served by our sister affiliate in eastern Pennsylvania. 
we have office offices here in Pittsburgh, um, which is where most of our staff are located, but we also have an office in Camp Hill and one in Johnstown as well. Um, so in terms of the programs and services we provide, uh, most of our programs hopefully have some sort of education component um, attached to them, but um, many of them are geared toward helping folks learn how to cope with living with seizures, helping folks to uh, overcome negative consequences associated with epilepsy, we have a very large community education program um, that works in conjunction with the schools where we train school nurses, teachers, students, other folks to create hopefully a very safe, supportive environment for students who are having seizures in, in schools. We've been doing a lot of training recently with first responders in the community, um, working with the Department of Health to make some training available through their online system. We do a lot of patient education conferences to help folks know what treatments are available to them, what surgical treatments might be available to them. Um, last year, we provided services to over 2,700 individuals who have seizures and, and epilepsy. Um, many of those are adults who are living with epilepsy. They may need help with employment issues. They may need help negotiating some sort of um, adaptation in their workplace if they start to have seizures after being on the job for a period of time. So we help them out with educating their employers about things like ADA modifications, those, those sorts of things. Um, we also have a number of community initiatives that we do um, either in conjunction with some of our donors or some of our community partners. Um, and things that our board has been very involved with. So um, some of the newer things that we've been doing in the last few years we have a relatively new program called the Oscar Project where we're able to, um, through the generosity of a donor who set up an endowment program in memory of his son, um, we're able to provide service animals to about three individuals a year, and those um, service animals provide seizure response services to folks. So. Um, we have three dogs in training right now, so we've been able to serve about nine people through that program in the last couple of years. Um, at the end of 2015, in conjunction with the Emma Bursick Memorial Fund, um, we put together a brand-new program to provide movement detection monitors um, and sleep monitors for families um, so that if they have children who... Um, or a loved one who may be at risk of something called SUDEP, they can apply for help getting one of those movement um, monitors. Um, we also have a new program to provide respite care services for folks. Um, we have a summer camp program, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that we do in conjunction with YMCA programs. Um, we have an art therapy program, so. We have lots of things going on in those 49 counties all over the place. So this means any family, uh, whether it's a person, adult with disability, or children with disabilities, they should, uh, they can get in touch with you for all different types of support. Absolutely. One of, one of the things I, I have always said throughout my 20-plus career with the Epilepsy Foundation is that one of the things I think is most challenging about seizures and epilepsy is that there really are no generalities about seizures and epilepsy, that it is very much a spectrum condition. And so each person's experience with epilepsy is extremely individualized. And so we work very hard to just help every family and every individual on an individualized basis figure out what they need to overcome the negative consequences of having epilepsy. What supports do they and their families need? Um, and as I said, it usually starts with education um, but it's different for everybody, and it's different throughout everybody's lifespan. You know, sometimes folks um, have a life experience where they may lose their insurance for a period of time and they need help with emergency medication, you know. Um, sometimes they've had seizure 
control for a while. They lose their seizure control, and they need help explaining what having epilepsy means in the workplace. So when folks come to us, we really try to work with them on an individualized basis rather than saying, you know, this is what all people with epilepsy need. Right. Hey, we have a caller on the line right now that I want to put through. Uh, Donna, are you on the line? Yes, I'm here, Joyce. Hello, Donna Stahlhout. How Hi, are you? I am great. I'm so thrilled to be able to call in today. I, mm-hmm. I, um, I want to congratulate Peggy. I see that it is the 40th anniversary of the Epilepsy Foundation Western Central Pennsylvania. Well, thank you, Donna. How are you? Yeah, I am good. I'm good. <laughs> and Donna runs the uh, state of Texas with the Epilepsy Foundation and is just doing a great job. And Peggy, you've worked with Donna for a long time, right? Many, many years, yeah. <laughs> Donna runs an unbelievable organization and has been a great mentor for me. So thank you, Donna. Well, you're very welcome. I'm thrilled to hear your voice today. And, and <laughs> I know how what strong programs and services that, that you have in, in Pennsylvania. And, uh, and we are actually collaborating on a project um, to um, – help with transition and to help with medical homes for kids dealing with seizures. So we're excited to be part of that project with um, with Peggy and her group. Yeah, that's oh. a very important program. Oh, that is awesome. Well, Donna, we I, I know Donna, and I want to tell you, she is so dedicated to people with epilepsy um, and is just a wonderful person. I Thanks so highly of her, and Donna, I so appreciate you calling in. Well, I enjoy doing it, and I wish you all well. All right. Have a great day. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. Uh Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was very nice of Donna, and she is a good friend. And there are many affiliates across the United States, which, which would be chapters in the different states. And although there is, of course, the National Epilepsy Foundation, uh, if you're right in a state such as Pennsylvania or Texas, uh, Peggy, you can go, how do you find whoever's in that state? Well, there are a couple ways that you can do. You can find um, your, your local affiliate. You can go to um, the Epilepsy Foundation website, national website. You can go to um, www.epilepsy.org. Um, and they will direct you on their website to your local affiliate using your um, zip code. Um, you can also often find them by Googling, um, you know, uh, Western Central Pennsylvania or Epilepsy Foundation uh, um, Texas or Epilepsy Foundation Chicago, whatever your local geographic identification is, and often those uh, local websites will come up as well. Well, I would encourage everyone to do that. And as far Absolutely. as uh, Pittsburgh, what is our site right here? Our Website. site is www.efwp.org. Can you repeat that one time? Mm-hmm. It's www.efwp.org. Because my question is that if you wanted to make a donation, uh, is that where you would go? Yep, you can go to our website and donate. Um, you can also donate to our affiliate now using your smartphone. Um, you can send us a text message. You can text the word thankful to 41444, and it will take you right um, on your phone to a website where you can donate a suggested amount or any amount you like. Um, and it will walk you through that just using your cell phone. Um, so that four, number four, again four one four 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 one four four four, and you can just type the word thankful, and that will take you to the website where you can um, make a contribution. Yes, or you can go right to our website, and there's um, a donate button. On almost every page, I think. 
And also, if you go to the website, you can see all these programs the uh, foundation offers, correct? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, so many great things. Um, you know, this Oscar project, but going into the schools and teaching, uh, you know, the nurses, and are we yet working with, like, the police departments? Um, we are. We really made some some great, <clears throat> excuse me, some great headway this year. Um, not necessarily specifically with law enforcement, but with first responders, um, fire departments, EMTs, um, paramedics, those types of groups. Um, in 2015, we were able to work with the Department of Health and with um, in Pennsylvania, we have some regional councils that are responsible for doing the continuing education for um, emergency personnel. And we put together um, a continuing education course for them, and the Department of Health incorporated that into their online system. Um, And as of December 31st, um, uh, almost 1,100 first responders in Pennsylvania had taken that course statewide. Wow. So we were really proud of that. Um, in, yeah, that in is awesome. Yeah, awesome. and, and well, we you know were what? able to work we're... with the Eastern PA affiliate on that as well. Oh, that's great. We're going to go to break right now. If you just joined us, we're talking to Peggy Beam Jolly, the CEO of Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA, right here in the best city in the United States, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We'll be right back with Peggy. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be back. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. At Highmark, we believe what makes us different makes us better. Our differences broaden our perspectives and foster diverse skills which complement each other, creating a stronger and more vibrant workforce. It's this belief that earned us recognition by the USBLN and the American Association of People with Disabilities as a 2014 Disability Equality Index Best Place to Work. So we'll continue to celebrate diverse individuals because inclusion benefits us all. To find out more, visit Highmark.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than three million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show, everyone. We're talking today to Peggy Beam Jolly, the CEO and president of the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA, headquartered right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, and, you know, I just want to say something. As you're going to hear in a little bit, you know, we're talking about uh, adults, but we're also talking about children, children having 
sometimes hundreds of seizures a day. And so when you're thinking about making a contribution, no matter how small, I hope you'll take time to make a contribution to the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA. And Peggy mentioned earlier, you can go on your smartphone to 41444 and then type in thankful, and it will take you right to the site. Or go to the website, which is, what is it again, Peggy? www.efwp.org. Make a contribution. Well, Peggy, before we went to break, we were talking about the programs, and I want to move right into that. Um, So many families I meet. I'll meet them, and if their child has epilepsy, they find out I have epilepsy, and sometimes they're just so emotional immediately, Mm -hmm. talking Mm -hmm. about their family and their children and what they're going through. I wanted to ask you, in your opinion, what are some of the biggest issues you see for families who have children living with epilepsy? Well, it's interesting, Joyce. I think that the answer to that question is tied somewhat to where those families are located geographically. Um, you know, in a, in, a, in a service area like ours where we have um, some areas that are fairly urban and some areas that are clearly suburban and some areas that are very, very rural, um, that answer sort of changes depending upon the communities in which those families live. Um, certainly in rural areas, I think access to care is a very big issue for families. You know, if you live um, two, three, four hours sometimes away from the specialty care that your child needs, um, that's a very pressing issue for you. Um, when the specialists that your child needs are not located right in your local community. Um, For other folks, it might be school issues. Um, School issues are are big for everybody. Um, But sometimes the larger the school district, it seems like the more difficult it is sometimes for people to work out those school issues, you know. So um, getting access to folks who will help you just with the day-to-day care sometimes if your child has significant seizures um, is hard because even within your own family sometimes people are really hesitant to take over the care of your child um, because it's, they're fearful of being the person who's responsible for taking care, care of that child. So, um and expenses are huge. If you're caring for any child with a special health care need, um, it's expensive. It's, it's ridiculously expensive sometimes. I, and I, I think oftentimes people don't realize the expense involved in caring for um, a child or a loved one with these types of chronic lifelong conditions. Um, you know, even co-payments and, and, and insurances and um, I think there's a perception that there's a ton of programs out there that are somehow funded through government that make sure that children in particular are cared for, and that's just not always the case. Um, so, you know, again, I think it depends upon where a family lives. I think it depends upon how the child and the family is affected. I think it depends upon the community where they, you know, how the community is able to respond in terms of resources for them. Um, but giving them whatever help we can is is what we strive to do. Well, I cannot imagine what it would be like to be in a rural area and not have access to medication. Right, right, right. I mean, what a terrible thought. That's yeah. horrifying. Yeah. So, well, uh, and, and not only example. that, I, I want to go back to something you said. You were saying about the cost, you know, of taking care of a child with a significant disability. What What mm-hmm. are you referring to? What would those costs be from? Oh gosh, medication is a hu- is a huge one. Um, and you know, sometimes even when 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 moms and dads do exactly what they're supposed to do, they end up in these. Uh, uh, I, I, I call them administrative black holes. 
So uh, I'll give you an example we had um, here with our emergency medication program um, just in the last week. Um, we got a call from a mom who has a child who um, just turned 18. Um, he um, has a diagnosis of Lennox Gesto, which I know you know means that that, per, that young man has sometimes hundreds of seizures in a week, just completely uncontrolled seizures. Um, when you turn 18 in Pennsylvania, it triggers all sorts of paperwork that has to be filled out so that your insurances can continue. She did, abs- mom did absolutely every single thing she was supposed to do. She went to the pharmacy to have his prescriptions filled and was told she basically didn't, ha- he didn't have any insurances. Um, so she turned to us for help because she didn't know what else to do because when she asked the pharmacist how much it was going to cost to fill his prescriptions, it was over $4,000. Wow. Now, you cannot get, like, through uh, Medicaid or through some type of benefit coverage. You can't get that? Um, no, because she has to, he, she had to, the paperwork has to catch up. So even though she had done every single thing she was supposed to do, um, there's this administrative lag time for this young man between all the eligibility catching up and the sh- him shifting over, and it was just she was not going to get that medication unless she came up with the funding. So, wow. you know, so, so unless what would you the do? epilepsy, well, the Epilepsy Foundation had to step in and pay for several weeks' worth of medication, and hopefully um, we will be able to get all of that worked out before we have to pay for the rest of the month. But if need be, we will pay for the rest of the month through our emergency medication program um, so that this young man does not go without his medications for the month. Oh, what a scary thought. I'm telling you, that's terrible. Yeah, can you, ima- can you imagine no, standing, being cannot. a mom standing at a pharmacy counter being asked to come up with $4,000? No, I know. <laughs> that's terrible. And, and you know... Peggy mentioned about Lennox Gasto. We're talking hundreds of seizures. I mean, we're talking significant seizure activity, um, and that is just such a scary thought, which really goes right into my next question. I know that you're doing work in respite care with our foundation, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I am on. I am a board director, and I'm proud to be a board director of the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA. My question is respite care. Maybe you mm-hmm. could explain to everyone why that is so important for a family of a child with significant epilepsy. And once again, as you're listening to the show and you just heard that story, you can see why making a donation is helping save a life. So, Peggy, respite care. Well, respite care is important for any family caring for anybody with a long-term chronic illness. Um, You know, oftentimes I think what happens is that the people who are giving care stop worrying about themselves and stop taking care of themselves and start putting things off that they need to do to care for themselves. Um, And oftentimes, particularly, I think, parents will use whatever access they have to help in their homes in terms of nursing care so that they can go to work um, or so that they can get to work or swear that, you know, um, so they're not using whatever help that they can get to take care of themselves. Um, So we made a decision at our organization that we needed to try and help to fill in some of those gaps so that families could take care of themselves a little bit. Um, Children who have significant seizure activity oftentimes require the the care of a nurse or an LPN because they need medications that can only be administered by nurses um, or because the family doesn't have anybody else to provide care for them. So our program 
um, allows a family basically to use that time really for whatever they would like to use it for. Um, I would say for the most part, those family members are using it to care for themselves. They're going to their own doctor's appointments. They're taking care of preventative um, medical tests that they should be doing to take care of themselves. Um, but they're also doing things for other kids in their families. Um, one of the first families that we provided services to, I can remember um, them telling us that they were going to use a block of four hours of their respite care services in the first year we did this program so that both of the parents could go to um, a senior night program for their older son. And it was virtually the only time in his entire high school career. He was a very good student, but it was the only time, it was the first time in, in the older son's entire high school career that both his parents had attended a program with him because they had always had to choose who was going to go. Was it going to be mom or was it going to be dad because one of the parents always had to stay home with the younger sibling. Um, so, you know, they have to know that their child who has significant seizures is cared for and cared for properly and well cared for by a medical professional so that they can spend that other time with another child. Um, you know, so, and, you know, and another dad said to me when, when we provided services for the first time, um, they, again, they have a child with um, Lennox Gesto and they, he, he said to me, so I, I can, you can send the nurse and I can take my wife to dinner. And I said, yeah, sure, if that's what you guys want to do, because you need to do that. That's still important, you know. <laughs> you yeah, guys it, still, it is. You still and, and need you know, that break. Right. And he said to me, I've not had dinner with my wife alone in over 10 years. <gasps> wow. So, so that's what our respite care program is about because we feel like those are the things that give people a chance to recharge. We give, you know, people need a chance to take a breath um, to take care of themselves. Right, so. and it's also good for the siblings, just as you mentioned. Sure. Say yeah. when the child has some event after school, whenever it is, if they parents can never go, that's sort of where this resentment starts. Sure. So, you know, I think it is so important for everyone. I think that is um, absolutely awesome. Yeah. Well, Peggy, uh, you know something that I talk about uh, a lot is stigma, and I know mm -hmm. that this stigma still exists for adults and children with epilepsy because Still to this day, there are many people that do not want to talk about it, you know, that do not want to disclose that they right. have epilepsy. Uh, why do you think that is? What do you think this is all about? You know, we still struggle with that, as you, as you know, Joyce, and, and struggle to understand that. Um, I, I, I continue to struggle to understand that, but I think at the end of the day, I think it's because they there there's still a significant number of people who uh, experience negative reactions from other people and and I don't understand why, but it seems like it's you know epilepsy is sort of the one thing that you're allowed to make fun of in the media i i don't mm -hmm. I don't know if you notice that, but mm -hmm. yeah. um you know, you know like. I, I watch television programs and I hear things on the radio and I think to myself, now, if somebody said that about any other condition, there would be a huge uproar, but somehow that doesn't happen when somebody makes a bad joke about epilepsy or a bad joke about seizures. Um, and, and, but for the most part, I think it's because if kids disclose at school, other kids still make fun of them. Mm -hmm. And you know, when people disclose in the workplace, their supervisors somehow, many of them still react to them differently. They end up being treated differently. And so for the people who don't have to disclose, most of them don't, you know. So as I said, epilepsy is, is this 
kind of spectrum condition. And if you are in a position where you don't necessarily have to disclose, I think the medical community in many cases still kind of encourages people not to disclose. I think insurance companies in some cases still charge people more for insurance or still deny people insurance in some instances, you know, life insurance or car insurance, those kinds of things. So I I think there's legitimate reasons in some cases for people not to disclose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, stigma, no doubt about it. Well, we got a very, 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 very important caller on the line right now. Tony, are you on the line? I sure am, Joyce. It's great that you have Peggy on today. Hi, Tony. How are you? Fine. How are you? I just I'm so honored to... that you called. I'm well, so honored uh, that he you're, called. You're you're very special, as you well know. You run a, a great organization, um, uh, very successful in all kinds of ways, and it's because of your leadership and the board you put together and uh, the staff that you have. But your leadership is what makes it happen, and we need to have people like you all over the country um, to make this whole organization what it should be. And so I'm just really pleased to call in and and let all of Joyce's uh, listeners know uh, just the the great, great job uh, that you do. Uh, As you were discussing just now, one of the big problems we have uh, that I um, face all the time with with, uh, individuals is the issue of stigma. They uh, are concerned. Uh, I did a, a, a group meeting in um, northeastern uh, Pennsylvania, and um, we had about 30 people there. And uh, a couple of the young guys were struggling with um, the issue of talking about it, and uh, they were both in college. And we had a great discussion about, you know, what it is to uh, speak up and why it's important. And one of the individuals since then has emailed me and and wants to talk more and so forth. But the struggle that they're going through, uh, should we or should we not, what does it mean, what does it doesn't mean, is the stigma in itself. And uh, we shouldn't have that struggle, but it's still there. And it takes a lot of work from the Epilepsy Foundation and, and of course, uh, you folks right there in Pittsburgh uh, to try to change the mind of the general populace as to what we with uh, epilepsy uh, can do. So I applaud you. I'm sorry to go on so long, but I just think so highly of you and what you've done. Well, thank you so much. And, and so you know, everyone... This is former Congressman Tony Quello, author of the Americans with Disabilities Act, just one of the greatest uh, statesmen and uh, crusaders for people living with epilepsy. Uh, and I know one thing, Tony, the Affordable Care Act is very important because that has help with pre-existing conditions, Right. Well, I think the Affordable, Affordable Care Act, which I call Obamacare, very, uh, very um, uh, honestly, because it is Obama's health care, and so I don't have trouble with Obamacare. As a matter of fact, I like it a lot. And so uh, what it's done, I mean, it, there's so many things in there that are beneficial uh, to those of us with disabilities. First off, pre-existing conditions. Uh, when I was at that meeting the other night, uh, these young kids were really excited about that because all of a sudden now they can't be denied, be denied insurance. Um, you know, it's against the law. And so uh, you can pursue that now, whereas before Obamacare came in, you couldn't. And that's been there for years and years. Some people today advocate, let's go back to uh, single payer or let's go back and go to single payer single player go back to the way it was before so that uh, payers could decide if they wanted to cover you or not. Well, that would be the worst thing that would happen to uh, the disability community and to epilepsy uh, because I know what will happen. 
uh, will be again denied insurance coverage. And so uh, Obamacare uh, eliminates that problem that has existed for all these years, and all of a sudden now um, we are covered. The other thing that Obamacare does, which, Joyce, I'm sorry you got me going, but the other thing Obamacare does is there's a, a research group uh, called the CORI. Um, we have, of course, NIH, and we have, of course, ARC. Uh, they both uh, do research, long-term research, about how we can have a cure and so forth. And that's great. We want that. But for people like me and others that uh, Peggy deals with, is that we're concerned about our quality of life today. We're all for a cure, but we recognize that it probably is not going to help us. It's going to help the next generation, which is great. But in the meantime, we need something that how do we uh, increase our quality of life? And that's what the Corey does. It basically says that a patient or patient group has to be involved uh, in any research project from the very beginning. So in other words, patients are at the table helping decide what it, what it is that should be researched. Now, they don't do the research, of course, but they're a partner in everything that happens all the way through to the end. And it's an exciting new thing. All of a sudden, we're include, included. We're not on some advisory committee that it, you get kicked out of the room and then they go into executive session without you. This is your part of the executive session. That's really, really exciting. And so... Uh, there's things like that in there, of course, and also that uh, young men and women can live with their family up to 26 and still be covered. That affects a lot of them. But I, I really feel strongly about pre-existing conditions. Um, for young people not to be able to get insurance, for older people like me not to be able to get insurance just because we have epilepsy is, in my view, extremely unfair and discriminatory. And so it's great that Obamacare has eliminated that. Um, and I don't want to go to single payer, which basically says it's all Medicare, but it then permits the government to uh, decide whether or not you're in this box. And if you're not, a lot of us on uh, with, with epilepsy on medications, a lot of our medications wouldn't be covered. And so I don't want to go to single payer. Um, what I want is for Obamacare to be improved, and that's what we've done with Social Security. Uh, that's what we've done with all the programs, starting with what Roosevelt did with Social Security. He knew that he could only get that, and uh, Johnson then did Medicare, and now Obama has done uh, Obamacare, uh, which takes care of pre-existing, which never could get handled before. So, Joyce, this is one of the great things that... Um, uh, President Obama has done, and there are more, as you know, uh, work uh, in, uh, in what uh, he did in order to require contractors and subcontractors to hire people with disabilities. That is something that has been the law for years, but taken us 25 years to get all the data together and get the things together that uh, make it possible for the government to enforce what contractors and subcontractors have done. And uh, Valerie Jarrett, the, uh, the principal advisor to the president, is the one who single-handedly uh, made that happen. And so there's so much that uh, has happened that have impacted those of us with disabilities in such a favorable way. There, It has. It has, and I agree with everything that you have said, Tony. And we will be following all of this because we've got to keep that in place, that Affordable Care Act. Um, and I so do. appreciate you calling in. No problem. Peggy, good luck. Keep Absolutely. going. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Tony. Okay. Talk to you. Okay, bye-bye. Hi, Tony. Hey, bye -bye, uh, Peggy, I want to make sure that, yeah, isn't that awesome he called in? Absolutely, absolutely, wow, and everything you said is so true, Joyce. And and just to you know, just to you know, lend some proof to it, I can tell you that one of the number one issues that adults who have seizures and epilepsy used to call this office about before Obamacare was getting health insurance. 
Um, and those numbers of phone calls are way down. I mean, people still call us and ask us, how do I get health insurance? But we certainly have a response for how to do that now. Wow. Isn't that great? So everything Tony just said is absolutely uh, true. Hey, Peggy, I want to make sure we talk about something because I know my one of my absolutely favorite events is coming up and that would be the walk, run with the Epilepsy Foundation. When is that, and if you are in western Pennsylvania, how, well, actually, oh, you have a separate one in central PA, right? Right. We actually do a series. We participate in a series. Um, your favorite one, um, Joyce, is the Pittsburgh Family Fun Run Walk, which this year will take place on Saturday, July 30th at PNC Park. Um, that is our oldest walk. That was our first one. This will be our 28th year. Wow. Um, on July 30th, and um, we hope to get upwards of 2,500 people there this year, so we need everybody to come out and help us do that this year, um, hit our goal. Um, but we also, um, if folks are not close close to Pittsburgh, we also participate in the um, uh, Highmark Healthy Walk for Communities, Healthy Communities in both Erie and Johnstown. So um, the healthy, the Highmark Walk for Healthy Communities in Erie will take place on June 4th on Presque Isle and uh, June 11th in Johnstown. So if folks are close to those areas and want to walk with our teams in those, those areas, we'd love to have them participate. Um, and then we do also have um, a family walk that we do in conjunction with the Harrisburg Senators, and that will take place on August 6th. Well, I want to so, tell everyone I love this walk. I love it. it. First of all, it's at PNC Park, which everyone knows I'm obsessed with the Pirates, and PNC Park is the most accessible park in the United States. So it's like such a great location to be by uh, the park whenever we do the walk, and we have the Pirate Parrot, we have uh, Iceberg, is that correct, Peggy? Yes. Okay, yeah, one more, year. Steely Dan. Steely, <laughs> yes. is that right? Steely McBeam. Steely McBeam, yes, I got in so much trouble when I was introducing <laughs> them, and I left out Steely McBeam. If you're listening, Steelers, Penguins, Pirates, we had their mascots uh, at the walk. But you know what is the most important? It's seeing these families, you know, with the name of I'm walking for Elizabeth or I'm walking right. for Abigail. Um, right. you, you know, seeing these families uh, walking for their child, it, it, it is just awesome. It is wonderful. And seeing everyone there with epilepsy, you know, being so proud, not being ashamed to, you know, let everyone know I'm living right. with epilepsy, but it's just totally fun. It is fun, and we have a great tailgate party after everybody walks on the Roberto Clemente Bridge. We have pizza and hot dogs and a snow cone truck and music and um, lots of fun prizes for folks that raise money. So um, it is a great time. It's Saturday, July 30th. Um, they can call our office and register. They can, um, you know, put a team together. They can walk um, individually. If folks have a company and they'd like us to come and talk about how to do a team with your whole company, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and all you have to do is go to the website, register, uh, do it now, get involved now, you know, get a large group. It's so much fun. It really is. So, uh, July 30th, Saturday, what time does, is the kickoff, Peggy? Um, and, uh, registration starts at 8, and we'll have breakfast and that kind of stuff, and we usually start walking about 9.30. 9.30. Mm-hmm. Hey, Peggy, uh, I want to mention one other thing. We just had mm-hmm. the Mardi Gras, which is the it's best dead. the best gala uh, black tie dinner in Pittsburgh. It is Absolutely fabulous. This year we honored Morgan O'Brien, the CEO of People's Natural Gas. You've got to go to this if you've never been there. It is not describable. You have to be there. It's just beautiful, uh, festive, um, just 
it's just unbelievable. And, and don't we know who we're honoring next year, Peggy? We we do, but I really I have to thank Morgan O'Brien and the folks from from People's Gas. I mean, this year was our biggest and our best event ever. We raised more money than ever. Um, you know, Mr. O'Brien helped us raise over five hundred and thirteen thousand dollars, Joyce, at that event. Wow. It was incredible. It wow. was incredible. Well, Morgan is a great man, a great community leader. And uh, and he you know, and he will be our you. reigning king for all of uh, 2016 and um, 2017 at the 23rd Mardi Gras Gala. Uh, Jerry McCleary, who is president of Covestro, um, which is formerly Bear Material Sciences of North America, will be our king. And he will be. So a we're great very king. excited about that. Yeah. But getting back to what Peggy said, Morgan O'Brien is the king all year, and he is he's just a wonderful person. And uh, as a woman living with epilepsy, I thank him for everything he did to help other people with epilepsy by helping us at the Mardi Gras. Yeah, uh, again, absolutely the fabulous best ever. Event. Fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, Peggy, before we go, and I know we don't have that much time left, but I wonder if you could just... Over the next couple minutes, talk about SUDEP. Sure. Um, gosh, that's a big issue to talk about quickly, but um, just to let, let your listeners know if they don't know what SUDEP is, um, SUDEP is sudden unexplained death from epilepsy. Um, it's a very sort of mysterious um, and sort of seldom talked about complication of epilepsy, um, although it is a fatal complication of epilepsy, so it's obviously critically important. Um, Probably, I think, the most widely accepted definition of SUDEP is um, that it's a sudden, unexpected event, um, whether it's witnessed or unwitnessed. Um, It's a non-traumatic, non-drowning death of a patient with epilepsy. Um, It could have evidence of um, a seizure. It might not have evidence of a seizure. Um, it's one that um, where there is um, a post-mortem examination doesn't reveal any um, kind of structural or um, toxicological cause of death. So um, anytime someone who has epilepsy uh, dies and there's no other health problems or um, any other uh, specific or obvious cause of death, um, it should raise a red flag about whether or not um, sudden unexplained death from epilepsy or SUDEP um, could have been a cause. You know what, Peggy, this is so important that you know what I'm going to do? We're going to schedule another show with you, and that's all we're going to talk about because it's okay. not talked about enough, and it is so very important. It is but very I, important. And I know we're getting to the end of the show, so I want to thank you first, Peggy, for being with us today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Joyce. It's always very nice to be here, and um, I want to thank everybody who called in today. That was very nice for, of everyone to take time to call. Yeah, and we end every show with a quote, and today that quote is, epilepsy is one of the best things that happened to me. It changed my life for the better, said Tony Quello, who called in today. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters, at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you all next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.